Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina. Programming support for Nature's Edge comes from the Native Watercraft, locally made fishing kayaks designed for Carolina waters and beyond. Models featuring the hands-free Propel Pedal Drive system, the new Slayer 12XC, perfect for fishing the French Broad, as well as a full range of kayak fishing accessories can be purchased at the Native Watercraft Factory Store at 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher, North Carolina. Again, that is 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher. For more details, Google Native Watercraft Factory Store. Stuart here. Nature's Edge is on the air. You know, those of you that, that know me and follow me on uh, all the social media pages know what a big fan I am of nature photography and, and wildlife photography, and especially uh, the big cat world and, and uh, the great images that uh, some of our great wildlife photographers uh, are able to uh, produce of those amazing uh, creatures. Our guest today is such a photographer. He is uh, someone who I am very happy to have on the show. He's an award-winning uh, wildlife photographer, Kevin Dooley. He, I'm a huge fan of, of, of your work, Kevin, as you know, and, and your photographs, and I'm so happy that you were able to find some time to join us today. Welcome to Nature's Edge. Well, thank you very much, sir. I, uh, I cannot actually you what an honor it is to be on your show. I I admire you in a lot of ways, and, and I know that you have done some incredible journeys through the wilds, and I think you and I kind of think alike in those terms, and it's just, wow, it's just incredible to be here. Thank you so much. Well, you are so welcome, Kevin, and uh, I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, I've got a lot of fans out here and a lot of listeners that are that are photographers and enjoy doing nature photography, and uh, uh, I guess one of the first questions is, uh, how did you get involved, and how did you first get started with wildlife photography? Well, I grew up in a, basically a wedding and portrait studio. My dad was actually a professional photographer, and, and still is a photographer to this day. Yeah. He also was an avid outdoorsman, and so we spent many, many, many nights uh, in you know, around campfires, talking about just the wonderful, wonderful things that we love to do in the outdoors. And it kind of led me to reading a lot of books and stories from African adventurers and adventurers in the Amazon and it just people that spent their life in the outdoors. And I just had that urge. I had that desire to spend my life out there. So between learning photography from him and learning to do to just really love the outdoors, it sort of all came together, and I found a way to be able to spend my life in the outdoors 
not only making a living at it, but photographing the one thing that I absolutely love to photograph, and that is anything in the wild. Yeah. It, it You know, it's amazing. And, of course, you know, Kevin, I'm where you have the camera in front of you, I have a recorder in front of me. You know, I record animal sounds all over the world just as you're taking the images. And it's uh, there's just something about it, uh, being out there uh, in the natural habitat of, of those amazing creatures. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it digs into your heart and soul and just it just keeps you there. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times when we were out on safari that, you know, the sun goes down and all the photographers think their day is over. But, no. you know, we stop. Yeah, we stop and we turn off the motor. We look at the stars and the sounds of Africa just explode. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. And, and you know, one of the other things, in fact, early this morning I was out in a wilderness area doing some, some recordings and, and just that magic moment when, when the, the sun just starts to come up and actually the sounds of, of, of nature change over from that, that nighttime sound to that daytime sound. And sort of the same thing happens in your world, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, being a wildlife guide, of course, I've taught all these things about the different sounds and the different calls and what they mean and sure. all of that. But, you know, as night turns to day, you know, all of those animals are establishing their territories. They're, they're establishing uh, where their food source is. And that's probably by accident. But, you know, it happens out there. So all the other animals will come in as well. And it, it's just a symphony of beautiful sights and sounds. And I'm guessing, uh, too, that's that's sort of what, uh, you know, one of my questions was I always ask is what in, what really inspires you about wildlife uh, photography? And I, I guess that's kind of what you were talking about, that, that being out there is part of that inspiration. It is. It's a huge part of it. However, coming from a, you know, a world of also doing weddings and portraits. Sure. I am absolutely intrigued by the expressions that come out of animals. And it takes a while to learn how to recognize them. And, you know, of course, we as humans are going to want to put human expressions into those animals. But then on the other hand, when a viewer looks at an image, they're viewing an image with a human expression as well. And so it's just so cool to watch all those expressions take place and, and try to figure out what's going on with that, within that animal's mind. But furthermore, to try to express that through a photograph to the viewer. And it's just a total blast, you know? Yeah, and, and Kevin, I think you're one of the best in the world at doing that. Well, gosh, I appreciate that. So let me let me ask I, you, uh, a lot. You, you were talking about, you know, images. And so I, I've got to ask, kind of, what are your thoughts on raw images versus uh, Photoshop? That's an incredible question. I actually just got my master's in photography through the PP of A, Professional Photographers of America. Yes. And, when, you know, you have to enter so many images to get that. And when you do that, their criteria is pretty much you can actually add and subtract things into the image, and, and that's all acceptable. But yet, like Nature's Best Photography Contest and a lot of the more... Uh, re I'm trying to think of the right word, but a lot of the other contests that are really into nature, they really don't let you do much manipulation to those images. And so I'm sort of on that end of things. You know, I like my images to be real, 
And for me, that's sort of the challenge of getting the images to be able to create an image where everything kind of happens perfectly when you're actually photographing the animal, looking for the light, looking for the background, looking for the expression as we were just talking about. All those things come together naturally. That's just the ultimate challenge to create an image where that happens. Oh, absolutely. I, I can I can appreciate that. Um, let me ask you, Kevin, what are some of the uh, difficulties faced uh, by wildlife photographers uh, uh, pretty much on a regular basis? Is it, is it, you know, you're always looking for that shot, but, but what are those difficulties to, to, uh, to success, I guess? There's a lot of them. Um, everything from the direction of the wind to uh, the movement to, you know, how you position yourself to the lighting, how the lighting is on the background, you know, whether the animal is just sleeping or the animal is being active, being there at the right time. And to be quite honest with you, for a person such as myself who's got a fairly busy mind all the time, sure. uh, it's patience. You know, I have spent literally three days with the same group of cheetahs waiting for them to, you know, have some sort of predator-prey interaction. And I've gotten it. And you can wait three days, and then, you know, they go the wrong direction, or they run their prey into the bushes, and then you lose the whole thing. So it's really a constant source of massive quantities of patience, as well as not getting discouraged when it doesn't work out the way you want it to. But yeah. the ironic thing about that, you know, the interesting thing about that is it keeps you going, because it's like... Your passion is to get that image, and you just have to keep working at it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've done a lot of nature documentary work, and and, uh, and particularly if we're out in the, in the wild filming, sometimes the uh, uh, the producers or some of the other people that are, may not have had the experiences I have around wild animals will say, well, how long is it going to take to get this shot? Well, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. wish, <laughs> I wish I could give you an answer. You know, it's uh, it, 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 the... Uh, Mother Nature and the wildlife are not scripted very well. They are not. And, you know, the location is so important, too, because, like, when you pull up in a safari vehicle, and let's just say there's a, you know, a pride of lions there, they're going to be disturbed when you pull up. Absolutely. And then if people are talking and, you know, movement and all of those things, they disturb those animals, and it takes a bit of time before they sort of forget that you're there and they get back about their natural activities, and that's where the best images come from. And it can even happen if another vehicle pulls up. So, you know, we try to go to as private an areas as we can where there's just not a lot of disturbance. Yeah, that that's always a... Uh, and, and I find, you know, years ago it wasn't as difficult. It seems like now everywhere I go there's always another person or somebody else shows up. There is. You know, being out in the wild is the in thing right now. It is is really, really popular. And so whether you're a photographer, you know, a sound person such as yourself, a videographer, or somebody that just likes to go out and hike through the woods, 90% of the time you're going to encounter other people. And it's how those people work together and how they interact that will actually affect those animals. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kevin, how do you, you know, I, I know that you're sort of at the mercy of, of the uh, image that you're trying to get, but how do you plan when, when you go out there? How do you, how do you plan a shot? 
<laughs> okay, so that yeah, you know, it's that's difficult because you don't know what you're going to encounter for one thing. True. But let's just say an evening before, you know, I've seen a, a Prada lines. They've made a kill. They're eating. I know they're probably going to be there that next morning. Right. I also know that maybe some hyenas are going to come in, some jackals, whatever. And so I'm going to get there before the sun comes up. I'm going to see what's going on with the lighting. I'm going to envision basically how that's all going to come together in my mind and set myself up for those images. Now, what actually takes place as far as interaction between those animals you know, what other animals do or don't show up, and if there's an argument or if, say, the lions leave and go to water or whatever, obviously I have no control over. Sure. But I do have control over being, you know, maybe in a place where there's a good chance something's going to happen and setting myself up so the lighting is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sort of the same thing I do. And, yeah, you know, one of the things, Kevin, that, that you're pointing out, and I think most of the, the great... Uh, wildlife photographers that I've known are also pretty great naturalists. I mean, they, they really understand the, uh, the animals that they're trying to photograph. They understand their habits. They sort of understand what they can get away with, uh, uh, depending on how the, uh, the animals are reacting to, uh, to your presence or, or like thereof. And uh, so it's, uh, it's more than just taking a camera out there and pointing it and shooting. Oh, without a doubt. You know, um, I'm actually a certified a certified Fagasa guide, which is a, a wildlife certification that you get in Africa. Right. And it took me three years of studying wildlife behavior, habitats, name, gestation period, you name it. But all of those things which taught me the basic way those animals think. And you've got to know that. You know, to, to give yourself the best odds, at the best image, you've got to understand what those animals are up to. Oh, absolutely. I, I know when I'm recording sounds, uh, uh, particularly of the, of the larger predators out there, you know, uh, I'm fortunate that I've spent most of my adult life studying them. And I, I always kid some of my photographer fan, friends. I say, you know, you guys have those long lenses that let you stay back pretty far. With my <laughs> microphones, I still have to get up there pretty close. Uh, you do. You actually really do. Yeah, uh, to, to do that. Um, do you have a favorite image that uh, that you've done or, or, or a favorite animal that you like to capture, or is it all over the place? Well, when it, I've got two favorite images, one that took me to the Photographic World Cup. You know, all the countries compete against each other, and they pick uh, about 16 images from each country. And my image was selected in the wildlife uh, area, or the, the um, you know, they, they kind of put the wildlife and the landscapes and any kind of nature stuff into the same category. But yeah. I was selected for that. And then uh, my last image that National Geographic published was a picture of two cheetahs where they were, it was a cub interacting with his mother, and her mother was looking off into the distance at some jackals. And, you know, listen, jackals aren't a major uh problem for cheetahs, but really any predator is going to draw their attention and they're going to start protecting their cubs. Absolutely. And so that whole interaction between the cub and the mother was just incredible. So those are probably my two favorite images of all, but, you know, I probably shoot um, 150,000 images a year of wildlife, and so it's hard to, to pick a favorite, because some of those images relate to a story or 
something that happened that might have sort of a personal connection for me as well. Absolutely. Uh, just for uh, for some of my photography friends out there, I've got to ask you, kind of what's your uh, what's your go-to equipment now? What what are you using uh, most out there? Well, basically, there's two cameras I use uh, more than anything else, and one of them is a Canon 1DX Mark II. Yeah. And the reason why I use that camera is because of the, you know, frames per second, right? So if I'm photographing a, an interaction between a predator and prey or even trying to get a specific expression off an animal, you know, getting 12 frames a second really ups the ante on getting something successful out sure of that. Sure does, yeah. Now, I also do a lot of portrait-type images of both people and animals when I'm out in the wild, you know, like tribal people, things of that nature, where I need a high megapixel count. And that's where I go to the Canon 5DS. And those two cameras are the best of both worlds. So one's got the high megapixels, the other's got the high frame rate. As far as lenses go, I'm looking for a lens that... I can sort of multi-use for different purposes where, you know, we use a lot of bush planes, a lot of float planes, and, and so we go to areas where weight restrictions are, are huge. So if I can have one lens that does multiple things, I'm, I'm really better off. So I go with the Sigma 60 to 600. It gives me everything I need for most trips, and, you know, technically speaking, I could get away with doing an entire trip with just that lens. It's wide enough, it's telephoto enough, it is super sharp, and it works really well for me. Yeah, that's that's kind of the same way I am with microphones. You know, I, I'm always searching for that next next microphone out there that'll give me the, the best uh, clarity and the best uh, acoustical sound that I can probably find. But, you know, I don't want to, when I'm out in the middle of nowhere, I don't want to be lugging around a backpack full of... Uh, full of, of all kind of stuff so I kind of find those one or two that uh, they give me the broadest uh, uh, ability to, to capture sound and, and that's basically what you're saying you do with your lenses exactly and you know I get because I run a safari company I get a lot of people asking me okay like you know how, what gear do I take what do I pack and one of the most important things I tell people is you know the more time you spend fiddling around with your gear and worrying about what lens you're going to use, the less time you're going to spend concentrating on what you're out there to do. You know, take one lens, learn how to use that lens, and let it work for you and work within the perimeters of that specific lens. Then you'll master that lens and you'll spend your time doing what you're out there to do, which is to create incredible images. That that makes a lot of a lot of sense and. Uh... Let, let me ask you this. What uh, what animal would you most like to capture that you haven't been able to get on film? Probably the snow leopard and the orangutan. Yeah. The snow leopard is, uh, you know, I've got a trip set up for there in about a year and a half. But You going to Kathmandu? Uh, or? Yes. Yeah. And, listen, they're hard to find. They're extremely hard to get close to, and it's just the ultimate challenge to get one in the wild. But I really think they're incredible animals, and, and that's, that's on my list. Well, let me, let me know, and I'll go with you. I, I spent uh, two weeks uh, in that area looking for a snow leopard, and, uh, and they, they also blend in so well with that rocky and snow terrain. If, if, they're, if they're not moving or that big tail of theirs isn't moving, 
you can walk right oh, yeah. by them. It's amazing. Uh, and of course, all the walking's uphill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it's not walking; it's pulling yourself up uphill. They live in uh, in some pretty uh, pretty rugged terrain, as you well know. Uh, we got about three minutes left, and I, you mentioned your safari stuff, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, uh, Kevin does run one of the better uh, uh, safari uh, companies, I think. Uh, uh, and you go to where Africa? You also go into up to Alaska with the bears, and and uh, tell us a little about the safari company and what it's called, and how people can get in touch with you. Sure, it's called Idubi Photo Safari. Idubi means zebra yep. in Zulu. It's spelled I-D-U-B-E photo, P-H-O-T-O, safaris, S-A-S-A-R-I-S. Again, that's Idubi, I-D-U-B-E. And uh, we basically run trips that are specialized for photographers, and we get all kinds. We get cell phones to the most elaborate equipment you can imagine. And um, we also get a lot of spouses that aren't into photography, but we concentrate on spending time with the animals, spending quality time with the animals, and getting natural and real images. Uh, my website, www.idubephotosafaris, I-D-U-B-E, Photo Safaris. I'm on Facebook under Kevin Dooley, uh, D-O-O-L-E-Y, and that's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've also got a great YouTube channel which is also under IGB Photo Safari. So you can access me. And listen, I love to talk to people about this stuff. I'll, even if you're not going on a trip with us, any questions you have, it's, it's my passion. I will spend as much time with you as I can. Yeah, I told you last time I talked, we need to combine one where, where I'm doing the sound stuff and you're doing the, uh, the photography stuff. Because, you know, I've got a lot of people now that are wanting me to take them out and, uh, and teach them how to record nature sounds and, Maybe we ought to do some of that stuff and combine it, Kevin. I think that would be so cool. I mean, imagine that. I'm ready, man. Let's, <laughs> let's knock it out. Let's set it up. We, we will. I'll, uh, I'll get in touch with you, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit and, and, uh, and think about a place to go. Uh, Farce, we're about sure. uh, getting close. About to wrap it up, about uh, All right. 25 seconds. Kevin, I appreciate you, buddy, coming on here and talking to us a little about your amazing work. And I, I would I would tell all my fans, uh, uh, as Kevin knows, I post his stuff on my uh, Facebook page quite a bit. And uh, But, guys, you need to see his, not only his wildlife pictures, but some of the portrait pictures that he's taken of some of the natives uh, and some of the tribal people uh, uh, around the world. Kevin, you're the best, my friend. This is Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart. Until the next time, run wild, run free, my friends. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.